help you get into a premium pre-owned vehicle that is exactly what you want and need. Here at Prime Rate Motors and Super Trailer Store on Sheridan's Coffee and Avenue or PrimeRateMotors.com. We all have different ideas about success. If you've recently changed jobs or are considering retirement, you're probably considering your own version of success. Maybe it's time to start thinking about your investment portfolios and retirement accounts. For over 130 years, Stiefel Financial Advisors have helped clients create personalized retirement plans with their personal wealth. Invest in your success. Call Jeff, Doug, or PJ at Stiefel, 672-3434. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Enjoy homemade soups every day at Designing Dinner. Sagewood North Cafe. Served with cheese wedges and fresh bread. Or pair it with one of their signature sandwiches like the dill cotto. Smoked turkey, avocado, sprouts, red onion, seasoned dill pepper, and mayo. Designing Dinner Sagewood North Cafe. See menus at designing-dinners.com. Open weekdays for lunch from 11 till 3 and from 9 to 5 for dinner pickup at 615 Broadway in Sheridan. Call 674-2460 for pickup. If you have a pet, you know they have your heart, which means every day is Valentine's Day. This is Mandy Coltisco with Century 21 BHJ Realty, and I am excited to sponsor the Happy Valentine's Day photo contest. Enter a photo of your pet or you and your pet in the Happy Valentine's Day photo contest online at Sheridan media.com enter one time each day through february 24th and the winner will receive 200 in chamber bucks enter now at sharedmedia.com this is public pulse your information and conversation program brought to you by first federal bank and trust you can voice your opinion by calling 672 kroe that's 672 5763 now your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. This morning I'm joined by Sheridan Recreation District Recreation Manager, Zach Stewart, Youth Program Supervisor, J.D. Williams, and Outdoor Recreation Program Supervisor, McCoy Phelan. Good morning and welcome back to the show. Morning, Floyd. You gotta you gotta lean in pretty close to the microphones, just so you know they're they're pretty fancy looking, but you gotta be close to them. How things been going down at the district this winter season, McCoy? I'm sure it's been uh, some setbacks with the lack of snow. Yeah, there definitely has been. Um, we were supposed to have two ice climbing trips, and unfortunately, um, we just did not see the numbers this season to have those. Um, so I'm hoping for some more snow next winter, and maybe we can get those going again. I mean, it's it's kind of nice not having snow, but then there's a lot of fun things that you can do in the winter that you can't do in the summer. Ice climbing, skiing, I mean, cross-country skiing especially. Those poor cross-country skiers didn't get much this year, did they? Yeah, not not much at all. <laughs> yeah. What do you, I mean, how do you kind of adjust fire for that? Uh, no snow, what programs can we run instead? I mean, do you have a, a big team meetings act? Do you all gather around and go, okay, what can we do in this weather? Yeah, I mean, we obviously look at the forecast pretty regularly, including the summer and just the winter and hoping that we get some snow. Like we want there to be enough snow to go do these things, but good enough road conditions Not to, to get there. <laughs> yeah, so like, we've had multiple times last year where we had too much snow and the roads closed and we weren't able to get up to Antelope Butte and places around the area. This year, it's the complete opposite. The roads are fantastic. We're just not getting enough snow. I was up at Antelope Butte this weekend. There's 
quite a bit of snow and the roads are really good. So hopefully we, we have a ski trip coming up next week. So hopefully we'll get a few more signups for that and be able to get up to Antelope Butte soon and we can get kids out on the mountain. That's fantastic to hear uh, that we could actually get some folks up to Antelope Butte. And I mean, those ski lodges, that's man, talk about a setback. When you don't have the snow to get people on the mountain, you're in a lot of trouble. So, but you said, Zach, it's it looks pretty good right now. Yeah, we got a, I believe what we have one or we have a couple more trips still. Yeah, so we have one trip this Friday up to Antelope Butte. I have about five kids signed up for that. Um, so if you're listening and you still want to sign up, there's still time to sign up for that ski trip. I also have a couple um, over spring break, the school district two spring break. I have two trips then. So Perfect. that'll be and- fun. We usually get that nice spring snow. It's a little Mm -hmm. wetter, but, uh, you know, as long as we get some snow. So there you go, folks. If you haven't been able to get your kid up on the mountain this year, it's not over yet. Give McCoy a call down at the Sheridan Rec District. That's happening this Friday. And then you said, uh, what was the other day? Um, The Wednesday and Friday of spring break. Okay, so there you go. Still a couple more opportunities to get up there. Now... Tell me about the Sheridan Web Wright Little League Baseball. What's going on there? Yeah, we've been working this year on starting a Little League backup. It was something way in the past that had been done before, um, but we got in contact with the people in Williamsport and said that we were interested, and then some nice people in Wyoming that also do it. So we've officially made that change over. Um, it's not going to change a lot for people. Our games are still going to look Kind of the same. If you didn't know there was a change, you might not know at all. Just our sign-up process is a little different. And then the things that we can offer as far as postseason play to go to, like, state tournaments and stuff is a little different. So, Did this expand your program a little bit by, uh, I don't know, saying that it's gone official seems um, it'll like s- too much of a statement. It'll still look like WebRite Baseball in the past. Um, this gives us access to a little more stuff from little league baseball we are they handle our background checks they handle um coaching training um they send videos they send practice plans they give us a set of rules to play by um other than that um it's going to look the same um there might be a few different rules we might change some things to what we do with pitching machines and stuff like that we're we're honestly trying to get to use those less and have our kids throw the ball more pitching a little bit more that's pretty fun yep Uh, probably pretty exciting news for the pitchers out there. Yeah, if your kid wants to pitch, um, it's a great time to be getting into web, right? That's that's what I loved doing. I loved uh, being out there on the mound. Now, Zach, why was this decision initially made? Why did the Recreation District decide, you know what, we're going to go forward with this? Well, we wanted to just enhance our programs, and this is just one way that we can do that. Like, all the extra resources that J.D. was talking about, the practice plans, the stuff that we can give to coaches – um, and it's just a little bit more streamlined. Everyone kind of knows what to expect um, to being in Little League, and it, it does open up um, us to some opportunities to send kids to postseason play, and it's just a, a new opportunity that we're looking to move forward. Now, will we have uh, more opportunities to play, say, like other towns? Well, we already have uh, other towns that participate, and J.D. can talk more. Um, we already have Buffalo, uh, Buffalo comes over and plays, and, uh, other teams like that. Does joining the the little league kind of uh, bigger organization offer more opportunity to travel? Um, kind of how it works in Wyoming, from my understanding. I have a meeting in March about it um, to get all the details um, with how everybody else runs theirs. But 
It sounds like they play a local season, and then there's two districts in Wyoming, and you can send kids from all of your different age levels. They can make a team, and they can go participate in the districts. If they win districts, they'll go to the state tournament. I believe that this is in Laramie this year. And then there's a regional tournament, and that's the ones that you start seeing on ESPN and stuff. Oh, so, the all-star games, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. It can get way out there. So, <laughs> so uh, essentially, the towns will play, and then the two districts will or- reorganize teams. Well, um, so if we were to send, say, our 11- and 12-year-old team, um, we would take um, however we decide to choose those, uh, coaches and you know administrators in the league, Who's going to go? And then they would go and play in the district tournament against uh, whoever else is in the, their district. Um, I would assume that the top couple teams from those each of those districts would then go to state and play for the state tournament. How fun is that to be able to say, hey, we went to state? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Now, uh, when does the season officially begin? Uh, our signups are going to end around April 22nd. Um, then we will start putting teams together with our intermediate league. We have been in the past um, splitting those up by schools, but we've noticed that sometimes we get schools that don't have enough kids or you get a really strong school that's baseball strong and they just kind of wipe the floor with people. So we're going to actually split those kids up like we split the next league up. So they'll participate in a little draft process and us and the coaches will go in a room and try and make even teams. So... It'll be a little different on that front. Uh, with Pee Wee Baseball, since the kids are so young, we're keeping them together with their schoolmates the best we can. Um, obviously, there's some some schools that don't get a lot of people to come out. You know, your holy names, some of your homeschool kids, and we try and keep those kids kind of together if there's from a similar place. And, you know, if you're homeschool, I kind of try and keep you in your neighborhood, honestly. Right, yeah. I think that would probably be best to... You want to go play baseball with your friends, yep. right? Now, when it comes to things that we need, what does the recreation district cover? Do I need to buy cleats? Is that the only thing I really need to make sure my kids got? Yep. For all of our leagues, except for our 13 to 15-year-old league, um, you'll have to buy rubber cleats, um, no metal spikes. Um, 13, 15, we do allow kids to wear metal spikes. Um, other than that, a glove is really all the kid needs. Um, we provide a uniform, a hat, bats, catcher's gear, all that stuff kind of comes with the team bag. Um, but a glove and some cleats and maybe a hat. Now, J.D., have you guys had good luck with getting umpires? Uh, I, I do know that uh, I spoke with a couple different organizations where they were having a lot of a lot of trouble getting referees. Yep, officials. Um, in what we do is always a really difficult thing to find. Um, we have done a little different with our, our baseball umpires this year. We're actually going to pay a little bit more. So um, we're hoping that attracts some more people. We're going to do some more umpire training with some of the some of our people and uh, with Little League so we can get put out the best umpires we possibly can and then teach people how to kind of deal with some of the, the struggles of being an official, the yeah. Dealing with people and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I spoke with uh, a referee uh, organizer, and uh, he said, "You know, it's it's a stressful job, man. You get you get some of those parents that are pretty passionate about this stuff. When it goes well, it goes great. Yeah. When it doesn't, it's it's not very. Then much it fun. really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Now, um, jumping over to summer camps. We got summer camps. Are we starting to get those signups done now, McCoy? We are not um, 
taking signups quite yet. The registration for all of our summer camps will open on April 22nd. Um, we will post some more on our Facebook page as those dates get a little closer, just to remind everyone of that. But yeah, not quite yet. <laughs> now, what summer camps are going to be offered this year? Um, so we'll have our our three usual summer camps we do. So we'll have our outdoor adventure camps, our rock climbing camps, and the Fresh Air Friday hikes like we've had for the last few years. Um, but we're also going to be adding um, day camps this summer as well. So week-long, eight to four um, day camps for the community too. So you don't stay the night, but you just go to camp during the day so mom and dad go to work. Yeah, exactly. That's a fantastic idea. <laughs> what what kind of activities do the kids get to do at this new day camp? Um, so we're going to have weekly themes for each of the different weeks. So we'll have a camping week where we learn about um, putting up tents, um, making a campfire, things of that sort. Um, a water-based camp, we'll do some fishing and swimming, nature-based camp, um, take some nature walks, have a science camp, do some experiments, um, and just things like that for the whole summer. That is a super fun way to spend your summer. Uh, When I was a little kid, I I grew up over in Afton, and uh, man, we were outside every single day. Uh, You know, that I'm not bashing video games. That's not what I'm doing. But I will say, my dad didn't really allow. So, man, we just ran the ditch. (laughs) See what you can find for the day. Being outside, great thing for those kids. And it's a fantastic opportunity for parents who just like the rest of us have got to work every single day, kids out of school, you don't know what to do with them. What a great activity. Get them up, signed up, day camp. They're, you know they're going to be doing something fun, productive, and probably going to learn something. On that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We'll have more with our Sheridan Recreation District right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM, Sheridan. Memorial for fallen Sheridan police officer Sergeant Nevada Crinky has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust under the name of Carla Crinky or FBO of Nevada Crinky. If you'd like to honor him, this is your opportunity. Bring your donations by First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffin Avenue, or you can mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust. P.O. Box 6007, Sheridan, Wyoming. At Sheridan Memorial Hospital, telemedicine is as easy as clicking a link in a text message and allows you a visit with our medical professionals remotely without any time wasted on travel or in the waiting room. No additional software or app is needed, making it easy for you to access our medical services anytime, anywhere. This is Dr. David Nickerson, Medical Director at Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care, and we look forward to helping you prioritize your health at your convenience. Make an appointment today by calling or texting 67 55850 or visiting our website at SheridanUrgentCare.com. So what are shopaminiums? They combine both commercial and residential elements. 
Synergy Shopaminiums, a large warehouse space, a full bath, conference area, office, and a laundry. Customized to fit your individual needs. Synergy Shopaminiums, located on Sheridan's East Ridge Road, a customizable condominium unit combining convenience and functionality. Easy access to the interstate and downtown. For more info, call Sheridan Realty Associates to reserve yours today. There are fish under that ice, and they can be worth cash. Get your rod ready for the 4th Annual Rotary Club Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Day Smith, Saturday, February 24th. You'll have a chance to win the $25,000 grand prize and prizes in four categories. $1,000 for largest fish, $300 second place, $200 third, and tag fish worth $250. Tickets are available Derby Day at the lake at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports in Sheridan or online at SheridanRotary.org. Sheridan Rotary's Ice Fishing Derby at Lake Desmond, Saturday, February 24th, being brought to you in part by these great sponsors, Tegler & Associates, Sheridan Media, Interior Images, Century 21 BHJ Realty, Elevate Financial, Aaron Waddell, DYT Creative Marketing Solutions, Dawson & Megan Power Sales, Associates of Century 21 BHJ Realty, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, Stiefel & Odell Construction. The following message is presented by Century 21 BHJ, 101 South Main. Hi, I'm Carlos from the Sheridan College Dental Hygiene Program. I'm here to talk about Children's Dental Health Month. Did you know that dental cavities are the most common preventable disease? Proper home care and fluoride use is proven to prevent cavities and strengthen teeth. With Sheridan's water supply not having fluoride, your children's teeth are at risk. Reduce their risk by scheduling an appointment with us to get your child's teeth sparkle clean and check for cavities. Call us at 307-675-0400. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. Sheridan Recreation District Recreation Manager Zach Stewart. Youth Program Supervisor J.D. Williams and Outdoor Recreation Program Supervisor McCoy Feeland are my guests this morning. In the first part of the show, we talked about Sheridan Webb-Wright Little League Baseball and outdoor summer camps. We also talked about an opportunity that you may have to still get those kids up on the mountain. Give the Sheridan Rec District a call to figure out those details. If you missed that and you would like to hear it, you can find this program in its entirety Later today on SheridanMedia.com. Now we're going to circle back around to the WebRite Little League Baseball requirements for sign-up. Uh, there was something that we missed, but we want to pick up on it because it's something new. Uh, JD, what do we got? Uh, sign-ups are going to be one of the things that's one of the big differences from previous years. We are going by ages, so there is an age cutoff line, and that kind of dictates where kids will go. Also, you have to do it in person because we need a copy of a birth certificate to do some of the Little League stuff. So um, if you're wondering why you can't sign up online, that's the reason why. Um, once you give us a birth certificate one time, we'll keep it until you tell us to get rid of it or your kid's aged out. So hopefully in the future, people that have signed up in the past, we have a system to have them not have to come down every year. So Now, real quick, J.D., this just hit me. Do I have to get you the birth certificate itself or can I bring you a photocopy that I made. You can bring us either one. We'll make a copy for you. We don't want the original at all. So, right, right. Um, okay, so there you go. A little bit of a change this year, but it's just to make sure that age requirements are met. Now, one thing that I did want to touch on, we had Hans Mercer in here not too long ago. Now we've got the one in charge of the pool itself. There is a large-scale Kendrick Pool renovation 
in the works. Zach, I imagine you've sat down with uh, City Public Works Director Hans Mercer, gone over a lot of these details, huh? I have not personally. Our Executive Director Alex Mock has, um, and we have a statement here uh, regarding that uh, that pool renovation and just an update on that. So I'm just going to read this. Um, uh, the Sharon Recreation District is excited to announce that the pool will be open for the 2024 summer. We will be working with the city to modify the design aspect to make it a more cost-effective for everyone involved. We look forward to enjoying fun in the sun and cooling off on those hot summer days at the pool. We're beginning our process of looking for lifeguards returning and new. So if you know anyone interested, please send them to the rec district office and check out the job descriptions online on our website. And you can also apply there as well at sharedrecreation.com and click on employment opportunities. And we can't wait to dive in and make unforgettable memories with family and friends at the historic Kendrick pool. If you have any additional questions, please reach out to our rec district office and ask for Alex Mock, our executive director. This pool, it's pretty busy during the summer, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the busiest things that we do in the summer. We employ a lot of uh, a lot of people for um, swim lessons and lifeguards and cashiers, and it's just a a big uh, big project in the summer. Absolutely, uh, but I mean, if it's one of those situations where. I mean, the city itself basically said, we want this done. We want Kendrick Pool kind of updated and uh, refurbished. Do, do you have any idea what those new bathrooms are going to look like? Are they expanding the building on that? Or? We don't. Um, they're still in the design aspect, and that's why um, it's going back and just, like, trying to figure out what's the most cost-effective for everyone involved, the city and the rec district. Have you gathered the team around and talked about how we're going to work around all this construction happening at the same time? So there's going to be no construction going on this summer. We're going to be opening the pool um, at our normal regular time, which is usually, I believe it's the first weekend in June. Um, so uh, please keep an eye out for that. We'll have a ton of more information regarding, we'll still be doing swim lessons and um, everything that goes along with operating the pool. So There'll be a normal summer ahead as we look forward to just another great season at Kendrick Pool. Fantastic. So nothing changed for this year. All right. Now we've got a new youth lacrosse program. Who's uh, who's the one in charge of that? That's me. Yeah, we've been doing lacrosse for a couple years. Um, at our max, we've had about 75 kids. Um, it's pretty steady now that we have those kids. Um, a lot of the hockey kids are kind of into it. Um, we are changing it a little bit this year, um, just with communication with, uh, we were close with the Sheridan Mavericks, the club lacrosse team, um, and we're trying to find a way to make it more exciting for some of the younger kids. So we're gonna play box lacrosse, which is on a smaller field, and it has less players, and there's less restrictions on where certain players can go. So it's more, it's like a basketball game. The ball comes right out of the net, and you just keep playing back and forth. So get the kids up and down a little bit more than we have in the past playing on the big field standard lacrosse now for those who may not know what is lacrosse i mean it's not as popular as baseball basketball or football uh maybe some folks uh, they haven't lived in the east uh where where this is really popular yeah uh more popular in the uh the northeast um kind of getting into the michigan area too i know it's big there um you have a you have a stick with a net on it and um it kind of looks like hockey on grass i know there's probably some lacrosse players out there that are hating that I'm saying that, but <laughs> sure, it, but it, that's it's, all right. It's what's most familiar to me with lacrosse. I didn't grow up around lacrosse either, so 
but I've seen hockey and it, it looks pretty close, but it's, there's some subtle differences. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, I imagine the rules are somewhat the same. Uh, I believe there's quite a bit of difference in the rules. R- um, really? It still, it looks like a soccer, any game with two nets and a ball. It's kind of <laughs> tends to look right. the same yeah. at a certain yeah. point. Um, yeah, uh, but, but box lacrosse is going to be completely different than the big field. So um, once they get farther along with us and then they start to go, if they want to keep playing lacrosse and they go to the Mavericks, that's when the game's going to start looking more like the standard high school, college game. Now, what's, what's the uh, recommended starting age for kids? If I got a little one out there who wants to play lacrosse, uh, we have be? first graders that come to play. Okay, so, so anywhere to six, seven years old. Yep, we go first grade through eighth grade with our program. Um, as it grows, we'll have be able to split it up more like baseball, but right now you're looking at like your one through threes are kind of playing together. Some of the older kids will play together, and then like our seventh and eighth graders kind of got their own thing going on. Well, that's pretty cool because if we can get these kids in now, kind of teach them just the fundamentals uh, in those first few years, which I would imagine is probably pretty difficult because you can't, Grab the ball. Everything having to do with the ball has got to be done with that net at the end of a stick, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. And that requires some dexterity. <laughs> it does. Kids are actually pretty good at it. Uh, um, I imagine. They're probably, they, yeah. Children pick up on things a lot quicker than some of us <laughs> now that we're aged a little bit. So Old dogs, right, yeah. brother? Old dogs. All right. Now, where can we go to learn more about schedules, about activities, about signups? Uh, JD? Uh, if you check out our website, sharedrecreation.com, you can always call us as well. Um, and then uh, we're pretty, we try and be pretty active on social media with getting information out. So if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, those are those are good spots to look for it. We try and put something out at least every day with some information on it. That's fantastic. The Facebook is, is really useful, especially for organizations. Got a lot of schedules and changes that may come up. Uh, uh, Zach, J.D. McCoy, I want to thank you all for coming in this morning and talking with me. It's always a pleasure to have the Sheridan Recreation District. Thanks, Floyd. Thanks, Floyd. All right. When we return, we're going to speak with dog trainer Shan Foster. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. A benefit account for Carol Hamilton, the homeowner whose home was demolished during the standoff, has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust. You can make your checks payable to Carol Hamilton. Checks can be dropped off at First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffee Avenue. You can also mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust, P.O. Box 6007, Sheridan, Wyoming, 82801. The Chamber invites you to celebrate excellence in the community during our 25th Awards of Excellence program, February 28th at the Wyo Theater. We'll celebrate nominees and announce the recipients of the Community Champion, Strength of Sheridan, Business of the Year, and Business Person of the Year Awards. For tickets and information, visit SheridanWyomingChamber.org or call 672-2485. The Awards of Excellence are brought to you by the Chamber's community partners with special thanks to the Sheridan Press, Wyo Theater, Nathan Hans Photography, and Sheridan Media. This is the captain at Captain Clean. Did you know your carpet acts like a giant air filter collecting allergens, bacteria, and all sorts of other treasures? 
Let our experts at Captain Clean prolong the life of your carpet, protect your indoor air quality, and make your carpet proud to call itself carpet again. Call Captain Clean today, 672-0726, and schedule your next carpet cleaning. Captain Clean, affordable choices for healthy living. We clean more for you. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. Have you noticed all the new Hondas on our lot? I have. Looks like you have one of everything. We do, and there are plenty of reasons to buy a new Honda. For qualified buyers, every SUV from the HRV to the Pilot is 4.9% financing for 60 months. Civic and Accord are 2.9% for 36 months, and we have a couple of 23 Ridgelines left at 0.9% for 36 months. Great deals. And these all come with complimentary oil changes for the first two years or 24,000 miles. Shop for your new Honda at Sheridan Honda today. Enjoy an interactive evening of roaresome fun for the whole family as Dinosaur World Live takes to the Y.O. Theater stage Friday, February 23rd. Dinosaur World Live helps discover the prehistoric world of dinosaurs through masterful puppetry with special guests including Tyrannosaurus Rex, Triceratops, Giraffe Titan, and others. Dinosaur World Live at the Y.O. Theater, 6.30 p.m. Friday, February 23rd. Get your tickets now at the Y.O. Box Office or online at yotheater.com. The Albert J. Goldwater FFA Alumni Barn Bash Online Silent Auction is in full swing today and runs through 8 p.m. this Saturday at SheridanMedia.com. You'll find items like windshield repair, a wheelbarrow full of gardening supplies, gift baskets, feed, and so much more. Auction items begin at 50% off retail, and proceeds help fund local FFA scholarships. What are you waiting for? The FFA Alumni Online Auction, happening right now at SheridanMedia.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. Shan Foster's trained dogs used by law enforcement. He earned his bachelor's degree in administration of justice and subsequently earned a master canine trainer certification from the National Canine Learning Center of Columbus, Ohio. For our second part this morning, I am joined by Shan Foster. Good morning, Shan. Good morning, Floyd. It's been a while since I've seen you. How you been doing? It has been a little bit. Real good. Busy. Busy. That's good. That's good to hear. You've been, uh, you have kennels, don't you? Yes. Uh, I run the Country Pet Inn and owner, and uh, a lot of that business is training. Um, uh, it never used to be. I've, I've developed that through the business and, of course, with my background. So, folks, they, they bring the dog to board it, but then they're like, hey, if you can maybe change some habits while he's here. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that happens where they, we have a train while board program, um, but we also, uh, our most popular program is called the three-week boot camp. And that's where people uh, bring their dogs and typically just want the basics. And what that entails is all the basic commands plus a few extra, like a place command, a leave it command, um, a, a kennel command, a quiet command, things like that, that, you know, have to do with everyday life um, that you're, you're at some point probably going to want your dog to do. Yeah. And so that's what, that's how I train. I tra- train for everyday life. Whether it's hunting, whether it's protection work, it, I try to get as realistic as possible to make uh, whatever the dog's job is um, the the best it can be yeah. uh, for whatever I'm training it for. So, um, but it has to start with the basics, and that's why our that program is so popular. Because if the dog doesn't know the basics, then it can't further um, 
whatever you want to do with your dog. You know, and and when you train at that basic, that's owner and dog together. Well, that's a good question. First, I train the dog, then I train the owner. Okay. The reason this is so uh, has been so successful is because here's here's where. The dog is now trained. So at the end of the three weeks, which, which is varies, it varies according to the dog. You know, it's maturity, it's breed, it's disposition, it's background, things like that. So that's a general rule of thumb that the three weeks, sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it's shorter. But after the dog is trained to what I feel is uh, sufficient for um, whatever capacity it's going to be in, and most of the time it's a, it's a, a household companion, a family member. Then I start training the owner. So the owner comes the first day to pick their dog up. But before they take the dog away, I train the owner to work the dog and apply what it's learned with me with their lifestyle. And so, and then there's two additional lessons after that. This allows the owner a lot, a lot of um, areas to mess up. Yeah. Because the dog knows it. The dog know, now knows the commands. And I can also, because the dog sees me as essentially uh, his, his drill instructor, never going to forget me. Uh, and I'll be able to just take the dog and say, here, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. So I can show that owner. And, and so through interaction, through them watching me, through, of course, verbal instruction, um, I show them how I train that dog, the philosophy be- behind why I do what I do with a dog. And then I give them homework for the week. So I, I like them to, to work the dog at least once a day. It's really not required any more than that because the dog knows everything. If the owner wants to work it multiple times, that's fine. It doesn't hurt. Um, but so they get familiar. And, and essentially what I call it is passing the baton from me to them. So I phase out of the picture and then they become the trainer. They become the it person. And then, Normally what happens is they train the fa- family members as well. Yeah. The kids or husband or wife, whoever uh, adopts the the, uh, the authoritarian role, the primary, I should say, authoritarian role for that dog. Typically it only takes about two sessions. Uh, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but but um, it's a credit to my to my students, to, to the people that I train their dogs for. If you do your homework, uh, it... It, it typically works with your normal dog uh, that doesn't have a lot of background issues, genetic issues, things like that. But the person has to do the homework. For this to work, the owner has to do their homework. And if they don't, the dog tells on them. <clears throat> yeah. he, he, never, he or she never lies to me. So we always make a joke. Uh, and the other joke is, is, well, I'm the hard part, the owner says. And it's right. It's exactly right. Because we have so many misconceptions of what a dog is, uh, what its role is, uh, how we interact with it, things of that nature. So it's so much more than just teaching the person to say, sit down, come those kind of things, but also teaching why a dog does what it does, how it thinks, um, what its motivations are, why they're, they're that way. Um, things of that nature. So I try to incorporate a lot of behavioral, um, reasons why, we train the way we train and why the dog listens and what motivates it. Um, and edu- I try to uh, build a, a well-rounded 
educational process for the owner. Absolutely. And and folks, one thing real quick, I want you to know, if you have a question concerning dog training, Shannon's ready to give you an answer. Give us a call. Shannon will give you his professional advice. 674-4444. Lines are open. I ask that you only call asking uh, dog advice from Shan. Now, I have somebody in here who has a question oh, as well. Oh, we've got someone. Uh, if you want to throw those headphones on me real quick, uh, there you go. We actually have somebody who has a question. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. Oh, it's our <laughs> it's own Julie, Julie. actually. But I have a question. Why uh, do little dogs bark so much? Oh, hang on. Uh, we had a technical difficulty here. <laughs> looks like somebody detached a headphone. All right, fire away. Good morning again. Okay, so my question is, why do little dogs bark so much? Little chihuahua, dachshunds, that sort of thing. Oh, that, that's a great question. Uh, typically, the reason that your smaller dogs bark so much is because they're more reactive. They're more sensitive to outward influences. So it, it, it just by being more sensitive, by being um, more aware, uh, because in a lot of ways, the reason they're that way is because they are small. So they're more reactive because they have that uh, feeling of, hey, I don't want to be a prey animal. Um, so I need to know what's going on around me. And through uh, artificial selection, which breeding our dogs, breeding smaller dogs and more yippy things of that nature, that's how they're going to communicate. They're going to say, hey, I just heard something out there, uh, either communicating to themselves or to other dogs in the house or to um, people in the house saying, hey, there's something that maybe you need to investigate. Now, oftentimes that escalates because the dog determines that it's its job to do. And, and so dogs need jobs. And so when it hears things, it starts, it actually starts to like it. It starts to feel good. About, Especially if you give positive reinforcement. Yes, yes. If you say things like, which I often hear people say, it's okay, it's okay, it's all right. What you're essentially doing to the dog is you're rewarding it. As you're saying, good boy, good girl for barking. Okay, so then the dog feeds off that and it escalates. So inadvertently, oftentimes owners are, are creating uh, more of the problem uh, than helping it. That's interesting because we've got a little dog, Archer, and uh, I think you know him, and and he does that, but that's exactly how I respond, Shan. It's okay, buddy. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. I'm rewarding him for right. his alertness. Right. You don't mean to, but that's how he, he or she sees it. Yes. That is interesting. Yes. That's fantastic. Julie, uh, was that, uh, did you get your answer? All right. I'm getting a thumbs up. Now, I've got a question. Uh, that that I know you and I talked a little bit before, and you said the one thing a lot of people ask you is, why is my dog pulling on the leash, and how the heck do I stop it? Very, very good question. That's probably one of the main uh, uh, questions I get, uh, especially with the development or the, the popularity, I should say, of the retractable leash and, and, the, um, and the harnesses. Yeah. So, so what I, I, I joke about it, but it, but it's serious. Harnesses were developed for a dog to pull. That's why I did a rod dogs, uh, sled dogs have harnesses. Uh, that's why we put harnesses on our police dogs or our search and rescue dogs to, to pull into the track, to be motivated, to do what they're 
to do the tasks that they're, that they're trained for and what they naturally are driven to do. So it creates an element of confidence as well. It's like, um, um, holding a guy back that you've seen on movies or even maybe in real life. I have where uh, a guy's wanting to fight another guy in a bar, for instance, his buddies are holding him back and he's like, let me at him, let me at him. And then and it only seems to escalate yeah, the situation. Yeah. And then they let him go and he goes, wait, maybe I don't want to fight this guy. <laughs> so it, it's the same thing with, with, yeah. with the dog. Um, and, and so just like we talked about earlier in reference to rewarding your dog inadvertently, you are, essentially rewarding it by it pulling because especially if the dog likes to pull now, now uh, there it's kind of a, uh, I guess I can conflict myself depending on what we're talking about here, but essentially what you uh, leashes genetically with dogs. Okay. If if you believe that the, the dog evolved from a common ancestor of the wolf, which I believe not from the wolf, but from a common ancestor that, um, but leashes are relatively new in, in, in the evolution cycle. So, so dogs aren't used to that. So what they're used to is not pulling because essentially they're, they're, they're not genetically programmed to be on a leash. Mm-hmm. So what, what, but we need to, because of our society and, and laws and regulations, of course, and safety reasons above all is to have control of our dogs. So we need a leash on it. And so by letting them pull, we're creating all these kind of problems that the dog is not used to in, it, in its being. If we don't let it pull, then we create a happier dog because that's normally how it would travel. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry if I, I, I think I explained that. We, we that, made a, what I call a floop. It's a Floyd loop. We made back around. We're yeah. good to go. So, so we want the dog to be comfortable in its travel, which it would normally be without a leash. So we want it in, in, in essence to make the leash invisible. To create that, you have to make it uncomfortable for the dog to pull, okay? And that is by certain tools. Now, personally, I use a pinch collar. Yeah. Now, I am a firm believer in any tool can be abused, okay, including the pinch collar. It's all on how you use it. And how you use it, if you use properly, the dog understands, hey, I'm not supposed to pull. So you're not hurting the dog you're making it uncomfortable for the dog because you're not tugging well you just do a little pop like a little jerk and then immediate release so what you're doing is going when whenever the dog comes to the end of that line whether it be most popular is you know four to six feet or in between when it comes to that end of that five foot um, barrier that's where you give a little pop and then immediate release so the dog understands that well that's my barrier once it gets where it understands that that there's not a, the barrier is there. Then it understands, okay, I can just walk freely. Yeah. You, you get rid of so many problems when you teach your dog not to pull. And one of the main things is your aggression. So you've probably seen it hundreds of times. People go to greet another dog and they have their dog on a leash. They're walking um, opposite sides of the sidewalk and they come up and they go, let's, let's have our dogs greet. What's the first thing you see is they're both pulling on a leash. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to create those types of issues, particularly aggression. It sets them up for they're more predisposed to be aggressive because they have that pulling uh, sensation, that pressure sensation. If you take the pressure away from it, you'll see different dogs most of the time. 
They'll just go, they'll wag their tails, they'll greet each other just like they were off-leash. That's what you're trying to create. So whenever you're letting your dog pull, you're creating something artificial in its brain, and it's going to react in a lot of unpredictable ways to people. Whereas a lot of people say, well, my dog never was aggressive. My dog never did this before. And then the first thing I ask, was it on leash and were you allowing it to pull? Mm. And 90% of the times I get, yes, it was on leash and I was allowing it to pull. Somehow it just triggers something in their brain. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. It's, it's, it's almost like fences too. Like when you see dogs fence fight and they love it, it it's, becomes a job, they, 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 a game, things like that. When were fences in history, how, 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 how long have we actually kept dogs behind fences? Yeah, not very wolves? long. Yeah. So one of the things that's very um, interesting is when, especially me owning a boarding kennel uh, slash training facility, I have a lot of different di- types of dogs, a lot of personalities, and they love to run back to the shelter. You see this all the time, uh, boredom, and they think it's cool, and they run around, they're creating a job, and they're barking at each other and growling, and absolutely vicious, some of them. Some of them look like they will just destroy the other dog if you open that gate. Well, 85% of the time you open that gate or you take away that barrier, that dog will act completely uh, like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Like, you're creating that, that artificial barrier that creates that aggression. So if you take away that barrier, you get rid of the problem. That is so interesting. Yes. Like it, it's almost the exact opposite of what you think you should do. Right. But the moment it happens, and I, I think we've all seen, well, not all, but a lot of people out there seen those videos uh-huh. where they got two fence fighters, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they come to the end of the fence and they <laughs> greet each other and then go back and to fence fighting the other direction. Yep. I mean, yep. that is it, and that's always kind of fascinated yep. me. Why do they do that? And it's because they're creating themselves a job, something to do. I've got a barrier. I've and they're not, they don't know, they don't whatever you believe, but from an evolutionary standpoint, there that's not, you don't see that in the wild. Yeah. You don't see fences in the wild, barriers like that, um, where a dog can see through something and actually interact with another one of its species. And that's what creates that. That is so interesting. Isn't it? And, yeah. and we use pinch collars as well. And I know you've trained uh, Emmy a lot uh, when mm-hmm. she was over at the mm-hmm. shelter. And boy, I'm here to tell you, Gertie, our our bigger dog, our, our res dog, she knows when she's got that pinch collar on and when she <laughs> yeah. doesn't. Because yeah. when she's got that pinch collar on, there is absolutely no pull. She walks along just the pleasant as anything. Mm-hmm. The minute I take that pinch collar off and just go straight collar, she's pulling. And, and so we have to put that on. Now, I've only got about five minutes with you left, but I do have a, a couple other questions. <clears throat> and this is something that I think we touched on in the past. But are there breeds that can be special cases, like really stubborn breeds? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a reason we have breeds, um, and our our breeds were created to perform particular functions, perform jobs. And that's why we have dogs that that are bred to protect huge flocks of sheep, cattle, uh, livestock, um, we have dogs that are bred more for aggression. We have dogs that are bred for aggression, not specifically bred for types of aggression, dog aggression, like your your old uh, you know pit style fighting dogs or your old um, um, Asian uh, mastiffs, things like that. Um, 
We have dogs that were bred uh, to actually be aggressive towards humans. Uh, you know, a lot of our Malinois are our Czech and DDR shepherds, uh, our, our old-style Rottweilers and Dobies. Um, they were bred that particular way. We have dogs that, that are now are starting to evolve into just being pets, things of that nature. So, yes, there are a lot of dogs that, you, that are difficult because they're not bred for a certain type of job. And, and the breeds that come to mind are your livestock guardians because they were bred to work away from man. They weren't bred to work alongside of them like our Labradors and our Goldens and our Pointers and, and most of our dogs, our Shepherds, um, things like that. These dogs were bred to work independently of man and bond to a different species, which are sheep or goats or cows or whichever, what you're, whatever you're trying to protect. You also have dogs that um, were bred for uh, uh, purposes of meat. Uh, in, in some other in other countries, or their their skin, their hides, wow. things like that. Uh, chow chows, sharpays, uh, very very difficult dogs to work. Very difficult. Um, these dogs also not just because of that, but because they were not bred to have a particular drive, like to fetch a ball or to tug war or things of that nature. So the most of the time, what you find, as far as my experience. When you find a dog that has a motivation, like to get something, like to hunt something, like chase the ball, bring the ball, tug, tug of war, uh, a high food drive, loves, loves, loves food, you use that to train the dog. Those are your easier dogs to train. Dogs that don't have those type of drives, those uh, type of wants, passion, I, I, you, should, you could call it, um, are very hard to tr- train in, in the typical dog training mentality. They have because nothing not, that they want. They're not bred for that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yes, it's super, super important to know your breeds. And, you know, whenever any of my, uh, most of the time they're gals, they come work for me, I have this big, thick encyclopedia of dog breeds. And I go, girls, when yeah, I know you love this, you know, and you're off time, I laugh, you'll want to delve into this and learn all these breeds, you know. But it is important. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we do Embark. We do all these genetic tests because it helps us know the types of dogs that are in them, how their personality is going to be, possibly. And how we can work with them. Exactly. And, yeah. Wow, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Shan, if someone wanted to get a hold of you and uh, join your training program, what do they need to do? Uh, they can either go to uh, info at countrypetin.com or uh, they can call me. Look, go to my website, go to my uh, Facebook and they can get the number and then communicate either through email or, or a phone call. You can develop a, a stronger bond with your animal if you're both trained properly. Shan, I want to thank <laughs> you so well much for you. coming in this yeah. morning. It's always yeah. a pleasure, my friend. Yes. we got to do this more yes. regularly. All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. It's shared. Memorial for Fallen Sheridan Police Officer Sergeant Nevada Crinky has been established at First Federal Bank and Trust under the name of Carla Crinky or FBO of Nevada Crinky. If you'd like to honor him, this is your opportunity. 
bring your donations by First Federal Bank and Trust on the corner of Illinois and Coffin Avenue. Or you can mail them to First Federal Bank and Trust, P.O. Box 6007, Sheridan, Wyoming. Shop, donate, volunteer. Ahoy there, mateys. It's Arnold the Pirate speaking to you from the ReStore, where we've been slashing prices of furniture, appliances, cabinets, and items for your yard. We have the best deals on the seven seas, and when you spend your doubloons here, the proceeds go to building homes right here in Sheridan County. So come see us today, the ReStore, 44 Fort Road. Um, what's a pirate's favorite letter? No, it's not the R, it's the C. <laughs> It's time for the annual Albert J. Goodwater FFA alumni rolling into the Barn Bash fundraiser. Saturday, February 24th at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds Exhibit Hall. The night includes dinner, online auction, live auction, and music by Exit 53 of Hardin, Montana. Proceeds fund local FFA scholarships and travel expenses. Sponsored by Heartland Kubota, First Federal Bank and Trust, True Built Builders, Wearing Chevrolet, ERA Carroll Realty, Handos, CNB Operations, John Deere, and Range. Great news. The oil change special at Midas has gone over so well, it's been extended through the end of February. Buy one oil change, get a second one free to use by March. A perfect deal to share with a family member. With the oil change, Midas gives your car a thorough inspection to identify any problems. If you need further repairs, you can save 50 bucks off a purchase of 400 or more with a new Midas credit card application, plus six months, 0% interest. Keeping you safely on the road while saving you money. Midas Tire and Auto and Sheridan. It's time to tax like a champ with help from your local pros at H&R Block. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. Plus, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. Hi, this is Barb from your locally owned H&R Block office. Stop by H&R Block 1307 Coffeen or call 672-9787 to see for yourself why it's better with Block. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitation supply. See hrblock.com slash guarantees. Learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, and living to serve. This is the motto of the FFA. Let's help them celebrate National FFA Week, February 19th through the 25th. Learn more about FFA from the center pullout section of the February 20th Country Bounty. This year's FFA pullout is proudly sponsored by Heartland Kubota, First Federal Bank and Trust, True Built Builders, Waring Chevrolet, ERA Care Realty, Handos, C&B Operations, John Deere, and Range. I'm Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me weekdays from 10 to 1 on Fox Across America on News Talk 930, KROE, and you